Welcome to the Bungo Pony Podcast with Brian Watson and Jim Griffin. Hello, ladies, fish, gentlemen. Um, any sea creatures not included in the uh, nomenclature of fish? We are an inclusive podcast. This is the Bungo Pony Podcast. I am Brian Watson. I am joined by my friend and confidant, Jim Griffin. Hello, Brian. How's it going? It's very hot here. It's so hot, I'm naked. My God. You've got your leather shorts on, I see. Yeah, but that's I've stripped down to the waist, so it's just the leather shorts and the knee-high socks. Albert Bouchard style. Plenty of talc. My feet are warm. (laughs) My buttocks are bone dry. That sounds like a Blue Oyster cult lyric. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on. It was on the uh, rarities album. Circuit, yeah. tyranny, and mutation. Anyway, what? what... Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a bit of that going on too. Yeah. Yes, can never have too much of either. Mm. We're doing one of our famous uh, mashups this time, aren't we? Yeah, these have gone down well recently, and uh, you suggested this one, and I jumped at the idea, and uh, I love it. I think, I think, Brian. I think this might be our best mashup playlist yet. You think it's our so, finest moment? I think it's our finest hour. Never to be never to be topped at any <laughs> time in the we future. We might as well just give up then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might call it here. <laughs> That's it. Time of death. Yeah, yeah. End of this podcast. Indeed, this is a good one. Tell the people, tell the good people what this is. I think this is great. We've called it unknown uh, with an umlaut on the O of because why not? Um, uh, Erectus fire, uh, where we're um, delving in to the two Martin Birch, uh, Blue Oyster Cult produced albums of the early eighties when I was just a boy, and you were even younger. I was a younger boy, but listening to BOC nonetheless. Um, yeah, Cultosaurus, Erectus, Fire of Unknown Origin. Uh, we were just saying before we came, uh, before we clicked record there, how both of them are almost perfect, perfect albums. Almost. Almost. So close. So close. So close. There's kind of one clunker on each album. Um, but when you put them together, Matt, um, You've got something actually very special. This was a real trip. This 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 fired up memories. You know, this was like the smell of the Madeleine for 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 Proust. You know, uh, this was this was the same thing for me with these albums. They brought me right back to the earliest days of listening to BOC, and uh, it was a real pleasure. And and you know what? And you've often said it on this podcast, Brian. That, that you know, listening to these albums now on proper gear with, you know, proper production values coming through. Martin Birch saved, saved latter stage or mid-stage Blue Oyster Gold. He was, he was the king. He made these albums sound unbelievably good. Here, here. Uh, Hungry Boys um, accepted. Cultosaurus is in my top five um, and, and, oh, yeah. and will always remain. Fire could probably poke into the top six or seven. At a at a push, um, I do remember the, um, the 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 Donington show. However, where I bought a, a bootleg Fire of Unknown Origin T-shirt from one of the unlicensed traders, which lasted. Oh, Eric Bloom. Eric Bloom wouldn't like that now, Brian. I know it lasted. It lasted. Um, it lasted an awful uh, awful long time. Get the admin out of the way. Um, 
Twitter, we're on Bungo underscore Pony. Follow us there. The Facebook group, we're on uh, Bungo Pony Pod. Buy us a coffee at co-fi, ko-fi.com slash Bungo underscore Pony. Thank you to Pete um, for uh, keeping us in cappuccinos. Mm. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Pete. Really enjoy that cappuccino, Pete. Love you. Um, So, yes, uh, it's... um, 46 minutes we've um, condensed it down into a mashup mm. of uh, Cultosaurus uh, erectus and fire of unknown origin. We chose five each, didn't we? We did more or less. Uh, we, there wasn't a lot of daylight between us. Uh, there was one track I, I really um, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think it's for me, it's the quintessential Blue Oyster Cult track. If you want to point someone out at, at one track and say, this is Blue Oyster Cult in a nutshell. We have a track on on here, but uh, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Uh, but yeah, we didn't have a lot of disagreement. I think somehow, Brian, we've managed to create, you know, the greatest Hawkwind album that Blue Oyster Cult never made. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it it this feels, this playlist, go, please, people, go have a listen to it. It feels cohesive. It's, um, it's the BOC sci-fi prog epic album that, you know, fans have wanted all the way through that wasn't imaginals and um i just it, it brings out that other other element of blue oyster cult it, it, it's it's less menacing and it's more really fun sci-fi um you know they're having fun with their sounds and their music on these albums and everything sounds so good i, I made a note for myself here brian on martin birch's production um he brings the three b's of production he brings balance bass and balls to this band and um it's they, all three are there in spades and i uh, this 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 playlist is is the greatest prog metal with a little dash of jazz that you could ask for so ah, uh, but a it's bit of king good. crimson in there as well yeah oh, look there's a little bit of everything in here they've got keyboards at the top of these songs pushing forward complicated song structures um yeah they went quite prog in the in 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 the early 80s and um i don't think these albums get get enough credit for how much ground boc were breaking in 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 kind of what had previously been a fairly standard classic rock genre that they were in we tried not to duplicate stuff because um we've done mashups and 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 things um already Uh, veteran of the sack it was for, for me, is the quintessential live Blue to Cult song. Uh, and I know we've chosen that in our uh, dream live lineup. Um, but it does make an appearance at the, the top of the playlist. Uh, and rightly so. From a, I mean, from a success point of view, the band loved uh, working with Martin, didn't they? And uh, I think Cultosaurus Erectus was their highest British chart uh, album ever. Uh, and Fire of Unknown Origin was their highest American at chart position, and they had a, a single uh, from um, Fire of Unknown Origin. So from a, a, a success in inverted commas point of view, both albums were up there, but um, they didn't sell in the uh, mega amounts, I think, that the record company had hoped for. Yeah, and, and I think Sony were, were guilty here of, of expecting a little bit too much from Blue Oyster Cult. Um, okay, Agents of Fortune have gone platinum on the back of Don't Fear the Reaper. But I think the expectations were too high on the band from their record company. These were very strong sellers. 
Um, yeah, Cultosaurus was was really, I think, where a lot of people on on this side of the Atlantic start to become aware of BOC. Great cover. Um, and yeah, that, that charted number 12 or something in the UK album charts. So it was 12. That's a big, so, I mean, that's a big, you know, that's a big seller. But And, and, and somehow they just, they, they should have got better backing. I think what happened in Donington in 81 certainly hurt them as well. Um, but you're right. I was looking back over kind of interviews with the band. They were very happy to work with Martin Birch. He was coming off the back of, I think, Love Hunter by Whitesnake, which had been a huge success. Um, and he had engineered a lot of Deep Purple prior to that. And, and, and he was clearly uh, a coming of age producer. Um, I don't think any of them really enjoyed working with Tom Vermin that much. Uh, I know Albert Bouchard thought he was the wrong choice for Mirrors. So um, all the stars aligned nicely for these albums. And um, it's interesting when you look at our list, Brian, and, and, and as you say, we kick off with Veteran of the Psychic Wars, Eric Bloom track, Michael Moorcock lyrics. But, you know, it, there's a vast array of writing credits here, both into the band, internal to the band and outside of the band. And it really shows the strength and depth of, of songwriting ability they could they could tap into from a singing point of view i noticed with we've chosen six eric's mm. two um two joes and two books yeah so very eric heavy playlist is this one yeah and you know what eric bloom you know he deserves i think we've said this before you know eric kind of obviously he's the front man he gets a lot of credit for that and he's a great character but the songwriting strength he bought to, brought to the band yeah, for these two albums, um, very, very significant. And uh, I think he's in no small part responsible for moving them in, a, in an interesting direction. And let's be honest, if they hadn't, you know, added a bit of sci-fi, a bit of keyboards, you know, a bit of interesting song structure to the mix, I don't think these would have been that good. I, you know, they'd have been repeating past glories. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the change of, of both pace and, and, and kind of style on these, on these two albums. Eric, of course, is uh, with us, uh, as always. Um, he always uh, pops in for the pod. Uh, what you got there, Eric? Very good. So have we. Oh, that's it. Uh. Yes, Eric's got his dogs, Tintin and Pickles, <laughs> to go with him <laughs> wherever he goes. <laughs> Eric's dogs. Onto on to, on to any spaceship. Eric's dogs go. Um, yes, so Veteran of the Sack it was. There's not much to say about it, really, as our... Uh, playlist oh, well, uh, playlist opener. Yeah, what a tune. It's a great opener for this playlist. I, I always kind of felt that Veterans should have opened the Fire of Unknown Origin album. I, I mean, it starts with those tribal drums. It's such an obvious kind of opener. Maybe that's why they didn't choose it, but um, great opener. And you know what? When you listen, we have talked about the live version previously from ET, ETI, which I, or ETL, sorry, which I think both of us agree is superlative. But you know what? When you go back and listen to the studio recording, I'm amazed at how keyboard forward it is and how restrained Buck Dharma's guitar is until you, you get that, that kind of solo. And it's a great example of, of Buck's, a really good guitar player, like any good musician knows when to play. And when not to play, and uh, you know it's a problem with really good guitarists is they tend to they tend to twaddle over everything, um, and it's all good twaddle, but sometimes you got to leave space. And Buck Dharma knows when to leave space, and uh, he's not all over this track. In fact, there's a lot of these tracks that Buck Dharma he comes in for the solo, and then it's really keyboards, piano, 
and bass. Uh, and and that's to to the uh, to the credit of the songs. So I just found it interesting listening to the studio version again. That how much keyboard there was on it, and how little guitar there actually is on the track. And it's just great vocal from Eric Bloom. It gives space to the key part of the uh, of this track, which is the lyrics and the, and the vocal. Yes, I, I don't think there can be many people who would disagree with um, with our choice of um, of that as as the opener. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a, a, a nice comment from somebody who wanted us to do a little uh, podette on all the um, Michael Moorcock um, collaborations, which um, is something that we can possibly give uh, some thought to at some point. Yeah, yeah, we could add a little uh, a little Hawkwind in there as well. I, I think the, the the Psychic Wars is actually a quote from a Hawkwind song. I think one of the songs on Warrior of the Edge of Time. So it's an there's there's an interesting crossover there. Yeah, I like that idea. We can do that. And I have to remember to call the hero Elric, not Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, more more of him later, isn't that right? Indeed. Next up is a track I think I've been trying to shoehorn into every pod we've uh, recorded <laughs> thus far. <laughs> I wouldn't have any objection to this being on every pod we talk about Blue Oyster Cult. I think yeah. it's a forgotten masterpiece, quite frankly. Um, I don't, I don't know if they ever played it live. I don't think they did, but you might know I mean, better. I, 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 I've heard tell of a soundboard recording, either from live or from a, a sound check of, of, the, of the track, but it certainly was never in anything like a, a regular rotation live. Yeah, Just an amazing song that I used to um, carry around on my little um, ghetto blaster, walking to and from school before personal stereos and antisocial behaviour orders. <laughs> monsters yeah. of monsters of course monsters 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 <laughs> great great harmony one of my notes that i wrote great harmony exclamation mark i put yeah uh, albert <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh, an albert song he wrote it with mrs albert didn't he karen he did mrs at the time karen bouchard karen with a c uh i think it was it was credited as K, uh, karen with a b uh, or with a k i should say on the uh on the sleeve notes of the vinyl I used to have, but um, yeah, what a song! I mean, it it just goes in a multitude of directions. But you know what? I was surprised when I listened to this song. In it's only about four and a half minutes long. I always thought of this as kind of one of those unusually long Blue Oyster Cult songs, and it actually isn't. Which again is testament to its quality. It covers a lot of ground for four and a half minutes. Uh, bass breaks, jazz breaks. Um, Great, some great saxophone by Mark Rivera, uh, who is actually really famous and, and has done, I think he played the sax on Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, and he's playing with Ringo Starr. So um, I don't know where they got him from, but he really does a great job on this track. You know, it's unusual to have, it's, BOC had lots of outside writers, but they didn't have uh, quite so many outside players on track. So it's always noteworthy when they have one. And uh, he certainly has as a track. Uh, it's in my top top five Blue Oyster Cult songs, I think. Definitely top ten. Yeah, I mean, putting on Cult Source Erectus side A and being faced with the double whammy of Black, Bla Black Blade and Monsters, I mean, you are thinking at that moment, this is possibly the greatest album ever made. And it doesn't disappoint any further on. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a cracking tune. You You could really put it on any list. Um, and it would sit very neatly. But again, 
it it I like it after veteran. So veteran has the sci-fi vibe. Um and Monsters, of course, is sci-fi too. A, a very kind of macabre take on kind of the stealing of an interstellar spaceship. But I mean, you gotta credit Alan uh, Albert for coming up with, with those kind of lyrics. But it fits nicely into our prog sci-fi BOC classic album and uh, couldn't couldn't have it without it. Yeah, and there's the and then Joe began line that just <laughs> marvelous, yeah. marvelous. It it really is marvelous. It's a cracking tune. Uh, we should we should get Richie Castellano on and and try and convince him to get the boys to put it back in the set because uh, that would be something to see. We should. We'll have to. Uh, we've got to play one of my um, incredibly expensive jingles now. Hold on. You're listening to the Blue Oyster Cult Fan Pod, the Bungo Pony Podcast. No expense spared, Jim. No expense yeah, that, spared. That was, that was beautiful. I had tears in my eyes, Brian. Oh, I'm welling up. That could be the shorts, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's very let hot. Me, yeah, right. Let me let me just make an adjustment here. It's very hot. <laughs> There we go. You just that, get yourself. I'm not making those sounds. Most of the sounds you're hearing, I'm not making. You just get yourself comfortable, lad. Um, we, we're speaking of um, sexual um, frenzy. Uh, we're into mm-hmm. the third track, uh, "Unknown Tongue." Ah, uh, so I, I think another I made a Albert song. Request to, yeah, I made a request to have this in. Uh, yeah, Al Bouchard, Dave Roder. This is the track I mentioned at the top of the podcast. If somebody comes to me and and kind of goes, how would you explain the oddness and genius and musicality of Blue Oyster Cult? I would say, have an old listen to Unknown Tongue off of Cult Sorus Erectus, and you will know all you need to know about Blue Oyster Cult. This song haunted my childhood. So uh, my elder brother had bought Cult Sorus Erectus and uh, listened to it all the time. And this is the song that just entranced me. It's kind of how can they possibly, possibly be singing about this subject matter? It's the oddest song. Um, you got to give a shout out to David Roter, who I think wrote most of these lyrics. And uh, he pops up later on our list, uh, co-writing lyrics on, on another great tune. Um, I mean, the lyrics are so left field. It's an Albert Bouchard song, but it's sung by uh, Eric Bloom. And that always works well. Uh, in my book in BOC I think that's that's a magic combo I think we've mentioned it before and you know you've got jazz on this track you've got this jazzy piano break in the middle jazz nice nice (laughs) (laughs) you know you got this jazzy piano break in the middle of one of the most sinister songs imaginable about a schoolgirl cutting herself Um, it is just unbelievable and um and you, you know see, what surprises? So, you see, I think it's about something else. I, I know you, you, it's about the cutting, but I think it's about the blooming of womanhood, if if we could say that. Oh, Hashtag me too. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I'm, I'm I'm dubious about two middle aged farts talking about that, but um, yeah, you could be right. I think there's depth in the lyrics, as there are with all the best BOC songs. Um, the younger me saw the kind of surface level. Uh, lyric and it just captured me i've never got over this song i think this is one of the greatest eric bloom we've talked about great eric bloom vocal performances 
on you know quick lime girl and 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 i think this is one of those classic eric bloom moments is he, he's screaming at the end of the song um and uh there's an interesting thing about this song it's all, everything you could imagine about blue Oyster, blue oyster called in one song except it doesn't have a buck dharma guitar solo in it there's actually no big buck dharma moment and oh, I I can, my the, original the, the fan groups will be gnashing the gums now, Jim. <laughs> no, well, you know, you know, you got to be... put something controversial in. But there isn't. He doesn't do it. It's like boxing my head off the, off the new Simple Remains. There's no guitar solo. And yet, you know, the song is, 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 doesn't suffer for that. And again, it's back to the point that Buck knows when to step in, but he also knows when to step out and let the song breathe. Um, I, this, for me, is one of the great BOC tunes. Um, re- 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 reconnect yourself with it, BOC fans. It's it's one of the greats. When when I was looking at the playlist ahead of, of obviously as recording, I was asking myself, I, I couldn't remember why we hadn't picked "Lips in the Hills," and then I remembered because "Lips in the Hills" is mm-hmm. is a chorus that's written, and then the song is like tacked on around it. There is another song that you could level that criticism at it, but that one's better. So that's that's what, if anybody's asking, why isn't Lips in the Hills in this list? That's why um, I, I think yeah. we're both of a similar mind. As as good as it is, it's still a, a chorus with a, a, a below average, for Blue Oyster Cult, which is better than most other bands, yeah. but with a below average song tapped onto a chorus. I tend to agree. I always wanted to like Lips in the Hills more than I actually did. Uh, mostly for the title of the song. Um, it's some really good guitar playing from Buck Dharma on it, but I agree with you. As a song, it, it it's fairly straightforward. Um, but the songs we're choosing, we're choosing them because of their interesting song structure and their interesting maybe instrumentation um, and their lyrical content. And I don't think Lips in the Hills quite matches that that brief Um Good song live, Lips in the Hills, the, the, the odd time oh, I saw yeah. them play. Oh, yeah. Oh, very good. Buck Dharma really wails on it. So it's it's nice. It's it's kind of another kind of, um, you know, showcase for, for Buck Dharma's guitar playing. But, um, yeah, no, it didn't quite fit the bill. I agree with you for, for this this um, imaginary sci-fi prog album. Now, you, uh, you have um, waxed lyrical about Unknown Tongue. The next track, I would wax similarly l- lyrical because this is the one that does it for me a- across all of them um this could be on um tyranny and mutation quite easily and it's uh, ven- vengeance brackets the pact at close brackets albert and joe just they wrote this for the 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 movie didn't they was it yeah the heavy metal heavy movie, metal movie. Yeah, did. yeah it was originally called tarna's theme um but obviously they dropped that then, I think, for the for the album. This shows what they can do. Um, heavy metal, the song from uh, <laughs> Notwithstanding, which which hasn't made the list, strangely enough. No, Black and Silver wasn't making this list or, or any list other than maybe a list of clunkers. But um, Vengeance Bagged, I'm with you all the way. This is some tune. Uh, this is... This is um, God, the sound of the bass on this on this track alone is enough to get me. I love that intro, that weird little keyboard intro that that comes on this track. Ah, outstanding! It's it's just a, it's a perfect song. Joe sings, obviously. Um, yeah, and, and it, it's it's up there with, uh, as I say, it could quite easily find a place on one of the black and white albums. 
and not be out of place. No, it wouldn't be. And 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 again, this one captured my attention. There, there's a moment in this song. So it's a JB vocal, Joe Bouchard vocal, and Joe really delivers a, a cracking vocal here. Um, but my favorite piece of this song is where Eric Bloom appears out of the woodwork. You can imagine him sticking his head into the studio and going, "You shrivel and die." That's the coolest moment <laughs> on on Fire of Unknown Origin. Keep uh, it light, Eric. <laughs> you shrivel and die. Now I'm off to the pub. See ya. <laughs> Am I done? <laughs> um, it yes. was just I. I just love that moment on on that. It's just so left field, uh, cracking tune. Absolutely super. It certainly is. Uh, just a reminder, as if uh, reminders were needed, that you're listening to the uh, Bungo Pony podcast, not Bongo. Way down deep in the middle of the Congo, a hippo took an every cut the rubber and the mango. He stuck it with the others and he danced it. He tangled the rhino. Said, I know, we'll call it Umbango. Umbango, you drink it in the Congo. We'll bite the big passions with the mama. Said, the mandarin, the parapet, and mango. Stop the hunk of goose's land it is. So when it comes to sun and fun and goodness in the jungle, they all prefer the sunny, funny one they call Umbango. Umbango, easy, Umbango. The new jungle drink with the taste of nine exotic fruits. No, not that. Um, that's probably that's the, probably the era that we're talking around, isn't it? Umbongo for our... For, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, 1980. For, uh, 1980s. Uh, for our American listeners, Umbongo was just a sugary, sickly drink that um, purported to be a fruit cocktail drink, but <laughs> probably um, contributed to the diabetes crisis that we're facing um, now. It was mostly <laughs> e, no, e, e numbers. I and think. sugar, yeah. <laughs> It was fun. It was fun to drink, though, but it tasted foul. I don't think it had seen a fruit. I don't think the factory where they made it in Milton Keynes or wherever had ever had a fruit dark in its door. No, no, no. It didn't even contain a kind of a may contain, you know, uh, fruit scrapings warning on it. There was nothing fruit in it. Fruit scrapings. <laughs> that, <laughs> we, we, we could launch a fruit scrapings beverage as part of our master plan to roll out the bungo pony pod as a as a global brand yeah 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 working on it <laughs> we're going to range of fridge magnets first i think just test the waters yeah we, we'll do a, a short run of of more manageable merch first yeah but they yeah, have vengeance the pact al bouchard joe bouchard it, in their later catalog well of course after after fire uh, albert was unfortunately gone but you don't see many co-writes between albert and joe in the later albums obviously you had astronomy in, in the heyday so um yeah really really good to see this track written by the, the bouchard brothers do you think they'll do it when we go and see them in august well, you know, it's written by the two of them. I mean, I'd say we'll get a, a, a shot of astronomy, but who wouldn't love, I'd rather hear them doing a version of Vengeance the Pact. It's possible. We can ask. If they know. do, I'm going to throw my underpants at this stage. Oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> we don't need the gig to finish early. Fresh. I'll, I'll take a pair of clean ones. It's like... Ladies do it. Tom Jones, isn't it? They throw their underwear at yeah, Tom Jones. Yeah, so, yeah. so why it's, can't middle-aged... Exa- it's, exactly, it's exactly like that, right? Why yeah. can't middle-aged men throw their underwear at their musical heroes? Hashtag me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, my God. 
I do not endorse these comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. You're going down on your own, Watson. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna. Th- I'm gonna throw me underpants at Joe and Albert Bouchard. I think they'd appreciate that. Live with they it. Really do. Yeah. Get them. Absolutely. Get them to on tour. Yeah, get them pair to, of underpants is always useful. I'm going to get them to sign my chest as well. Yeah, I'm going to get them to sign your chest. As well. <laughs> and you can like rub up on me, and we'll transfer. I see. We we'll do a kind of a belly thing, and um, yeah, I'll have a reverse. But then yours will, be back, yours will be back to front then. But then you'll <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to lie on a sheet of white paper. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll. It, it's my homage to the Mirrors album. Yeah, your homage. Whilst, whilst looking in a mirror. So, so yes, the, the, the closer of side one of our compilation, uh, which we're calling Unknown Erectus Fire, for reasons that are beyond me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> is another uh, Joe vocal. So we've, we're finishing outside one with two Joe vocals. He wrote this one with a, mm-hmm. a lady called Helen Wheels, who I know nothing about, truth be told. Yeah, she was Helen Wheels was her kind of stage name. Helen Robbins, I think, was her her real name. So she was a kind of a, I suppose, a punk uh, kind of in the in the same kind of stable as as Patti Smith. And um, she was kind of New York kind of punk underground scene. And the guys knew her. And I have to say, she she co wrote some of Blue Oyster Cult's best tracks, um, the one we're about to talk about now, and a couple on Agents of Fortune and. Uh, and they did. There was actually a really nice. Unfortunately, she died youngish, and they did a a tribute album, which actually was one of the first times you had Buck Dharma back playing with Al Bouchard and Joe Bouchard, and um, to Helen with love. And if you can track it down, it's actually a really, really, really lovely album. Fallen Angel is the track from Cultosaurus, sung sung by Joe. Um, I- I can't remember. Did I choose this one or did you? It's such a long time ago. Oh, I, I think we both chose this one. I mean, this was the first single off Cultosaurus, and rightly so. I think I think this is this one of the best tracks on on Cultosaurus Erectus. It's um, it's it's a book moment, isn't it? It's just the way Book Dharma just weaves in and out, as though he's just he just uh, turned up and he's like listening to these people singing this song, and he just thinks, "I'll just embellish it. I'll sprinkle my dust upon it." Yeah. Uh, and, and absolutely he I, I he he sprinkles a lot of dust on this track there's a solo and in a two minutes it's the classic book dharma short sweet perfect his outro is just gorgeous and again look we've talked about his ability to lift a tune you know just into the stratosphere um and you know you're a great fan of martin birch's production on these albums and i actually think fallen angel when you listen to it now um with fresh ears it's actually the, the balance he achieves between the instruments because it's quite there's an interesting kind of keyboard kind of almost uh, synthesizer um, a kind of pattern going on in this track that's quite unusual as uh, very heavy guitar, heavy drums. So it's a very dense track and very often they can go muddy, but Martin Birch has everything in perfect balance and it's a beautiful sounding track. And uh, again, a really, I think Joe's vocals on these two albums were, were some of his strongest with the band. Um, a really strong vocal. But you know what? It is Buck Dharma's guitar playing that, that kind of brings it to the next level. I would completely agree with that. I think, I think Cultosaurus is a, is, is a sharper produced album. It, it's, it's, it's harsher, harder than, um, than Fire of Unknown Origin. I think that, that's, that, that had a sheen and a polish. 
I think. Mm. Um, I don't know whether the record company were after that looking for uh, potential singles. I think they probably were. And I think when you look at the, 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 the material on Cultosaurus is definitely more in line with Martin Birch had done and did for a long time afterwards. So I'd say, I'm only guessing, but I would say Martin Birch was more at home with the material on Cultosaurus because it really, I agree with you, it, it it shines, you know, it has an edge, it has a gleam to it. Um, definitely Fire of Unknown Origin feels, again, they were a bit guilty of of looking for the hits, which in fairness, you know, they delivered with Burning For You. Um, but yeah, for absolute top production, I would I would go to Cultosaurus Erectus. Yeah, it was the first new Blue Oyster Cult album I bought. I think I've mentioned this on previous pods. So it, it holds a special place in my heart. And I got the uh, I got the the poster. God knows where that ended up, but um, it ended up in a loft in Whitefield. That's where it ended up. But <laughs> uh, but I had that on my wall for I had that on my wall for many years. Yeah, we had that poster up in our house for a long number of years. I think it's, you know, we moved, the poster outlived the house, so I'm not sure what happened to it. But, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I still occasionally search Discogs for an original vinyl pressing of Cultosaurus with the poster. Uh, but I've I've yet to successfully find one in, in a price bracket that I'm willing to pay, you know. So, yes, um, mention of book there. Did I tell you books done a, done a jingle for us? Oh, good! Delighted to hear it. I think um, I think it was um, it, it was in it was in Bradford at the time. <laughs> yeah, just on one of his many visits to Bradford. One of his many visits. Hey, this is Bob Dahmer. Is it now? No, really. And you're listening to the Bungo Pony Podcast. With Brian Watson and Jim Griffin. I think Booker have charged us more than a tenner. Um, <laughs> you were charged a tenner for that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> you were robbed. Man. I, 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 I lovingly gave it to my friend and and all round um, good egg raconteur troubadour and stevedore, Gordon Midgley. Who is a, a, a Cheers, Gordo. Top, top banana. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Good man, Gordon. You got a tenner out of Brian Watson. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love him. I love him dearly. Um, so, yes, we're going to flip the record over now. Side two yep. of um, Unknown Erectus Fire. Uh, I'm digging it. Um, Michael's sister up now. Next. Ooh, Betty. Uh, the American <laughs> listeners won't have a clue what I'm going on about. No, they they, they think you're having a stroke there. But uh, yeah, yeah, one of many. Uh, yes, um, Joan Crawford. I I I I think I knew who Joan Crawford was when I, I first heard this. I'm not sure. Um, in pre-internet days, I, I knew all I could know about her. But um, all I could think of was um, Alan's piano. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Joan Crawford. I mean, nobody else on earth gets away with recording Joan Crawford has risen from the grave. Catholic schoolgirls have thrown away their mascara, you know, chained themselves to the axles of big Mack trucks. Again, and we've talked about him already in the pod. It's Mr. Rotor, isn't it? Yeah, Mr. Rotor. Yeah, there are his lyrics. Uh, and he has that quirky 
Uh, I'd recommend actually people check out uh, his band, David Rotor Method. Um, you'll find them on Spotify. He has a couple of albums there, but he has an album there, uh, Bambo, um, or The Beauty of the Bambo. And he does his version of Joan Crawford, Unknown Tongue, and uh, Il Duce, you know, which is a track uh, Al Bouchard uh, included on Imaginos 2, Bombs Over Germany, minus zero and counting. Nice title. Um, uh, and, and you'll find him on Spotify. Now, he does kind of strip down almost punk type versions, but uh, some of them are pretty good. And, and you can see his lyrics on his own songs are very similar, very acerbic, zeitgeisty um, lyrics. Uh, some of them are pretty good, actually. Um, so he, he deserves a shout out for this. Uh, but again, you've got one of these crazy moments where, um, again, you've got, you know, a Eric singing an Al tune. Um, again, uh, you know, appearing on our list and then Albert coming in with the weird vocal asides on, um, mother's home. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's those moments that just make Blue Oyster Cult better than everybody else. I mean, these guys, they must've had a lot of fun in the studio. I hope they did uh, because I had a lot of fun listening to it again. And uh, I think her daughter had written the book, Mommy Dearest, around this time. And that's what had her had Joan Crawford back in the in the public kind of eye. Um, what a track. Do you know what? I think that piano at the start was actually played by Joe Bouchard. So uh, Alan played it live, obviously. Well, yeah. Forever I'll, after. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, I believe Joe Bouchard kind of banged it out and, and they recorded it and nobody could really beat it. So. They just used it. Um, but Joe's an incredibly versatile musician. He never really got the credit he deserved in Blue Oyster Cult. And I think that's why he left them in the mid-80s. I think he just got bored of playing bass because he's actually a fantastic um, piano player, guitar player, and as we learned recently, trumpet player. So, I mean, when, when, when Alan nailed it live, he properly nailed it. When he didn't nail it, it was a, a, a shambling, shambolic mess. Love you, Alan. <laughs> But um, oh, I, I was I uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, indeed. And I think they must have spent half the album's budget on sound effects. Can you name all the sound effects on it? I always had a bells, picture. Bells, fire alarms, toasters, pizza ovens, babies being twanged into a tree oh, on a big bungee cord. Because <laughs> you can read on the credits that... of the album, you know, sound effects on Joe Crawford by Buck Dharma. And I always have this picture of Buck, you know, like that episode of Friends where Ross is playing the keyboard. <laughs> I had this picture of Buck Dharma kind of, you know, sitting in the studio and going, pressing a button and then really running across the studio and, and pressing another button for the doorbell sound and then running back over and pressing another button. It always kind of made me smile. But I think that was the point of it, because it's a very tongue-in-cheek song, you know. Indeed. You're listening to the uh, Bungo Pony podcast. Um, Bungo, not bingo. Oh, I don't know where. Where my sound bingo. effect? Bingo! <laughs> bingo! Where did my sound effect go? I'll do the sound effect. Bingo! My sound, my sound effect's gone. Where's my sound effect gone? Never mind. No. It's a blessing in disguise, Brian. I'll, I'll edit that. Bingo! There we go. <laughs> Oh, bingo! I think I think because it's so hot, I think yeah. printed circuit boards are um, having a, a a tough a tough old time. Wow, 
It is hot over there, That's man. It's raining over here, but uh, is it? okay. Oh, it's so hot I can yeah. cook things in my trousers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can smell it from here. How are the shorts holding up? Although if it's raining, you'll be fine, won't you? It's raining now. It's perfect weather for leather shorts. It's self-cleaning. Just go out in the Irish rain and you're good for another week. But the um, the, the rain must interfere with the talc, so you'll just get like this horrible, claggy mess in your swimsuit area. Uh, it's quite pleasant, actually. Super duper. <laughs> It's an interesting kind of paste-like consistency. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Shall we get back to the playlist? Oh, yes. It's a, it's a, another Moorcock one next, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to have this one. I mean, we're, we're putting our sci-fi, Blue Oyster Cult, sci-fi prog album together. And, um, yeah, this is probably one of the first songs that springs to mind. It's a song about a mahoosive... It's a song about a mahoosive sword. <laughs> What's not to like? Yeah, and I have to admit, right, that I wasn't actually terribly familiar. I knew who Michael Moorcock was, so I recognized the names, you know, when I was looking at the credits on the album sleeve, which, you know, kids, you have to remember, was all we had back in those days. Um, but I'd never really read his albums, or <laughs> I'd never really read his books. So um, this was kind of my introduction into that, into this world of Elric, the, you know, and, and, and the Black Blade and all of that. So, um yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a door into a lot of a lot of new things for me. Like Game of Thrones, only with shorter skirts. <laughs> and Eric Bloom. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know who, um, I don't yeah, know who look, John Trivers is, because he's a co-writer, isn't he? Yeah, he's co-written a, a couple of things with Eric Bloom, uh, even up to recently. So I think they're mates, and... Um, and he pops up every once in a while. I think he co-wrote a couple of songs on the the kind of Sanctuary albums. I think he co-wrote uh, 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 Showtime. I think was John Trivers. I could be wrong. I'm open to correction on that. But he's he's co-written a few things, and um, and they're usually pretty good. Um, really interesting track. This. I mean, you know, I, I've heard them play this live, so it is still kind of fresh in my mind. But the really unusual keyboards that you get in it. Again, it's it's kind of bass forward, um, keyboard effects, and then Eric going crazy on the vocoder at the end, uh, which is just, they were really pushing the boat out here. I mean, you got to remember, I mean, the context here is they were coming off the back of Mirrors, not their most successful, you know, attempt at Echo and Mainstream. It took a lot of, it took a lot of balls, frankly, for them to lead the next album off with something as unusual as, as Black Blade. Um, and I, I, I think you have to credit Martin Birch for pushing them, pushing them here and, and making them go that extra mile. As a, as a lawyer, I can't recommend the, um, the defense uh, that, that Elric uses if you do go on a killing rampage <laughs> with a big F off sword. Um, blaming the sword is probably in nine Cases out of ten, not going to get you off. Um, no, the the Elric defence is is notably absent <laughs> in many of the law chronicles of today. Yeah. Although you know, I would like you know the line of "I just want to be a lover, not a red-eyed screaming ghoul." <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> has to be one of the greatest lines of all time. Who doesn't? <laughs> Love the lyrics. Ideally, oh, so I, ideally, I'd like to be both, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, lover by night, red eyed screaming ghoul by day. Um, yeah, this is this is an exercise in how to take a, a, an author's lyrics and successfully uh, mold them into a song format. Because um, we else in other pods we've talked about other writers where maybe their lyrics are good but haven't as successfully been been molded. <clears throat> John Shirley, but in, in this case, I think the more love you, John. Buy a cup of coffee. Um, but no, and that's and it's never the author's fault. It's it's how the band managed to get the lyrics to fit the tune, and these are unusual lyrics, and to get them to fit into the musical uh, uh, kind of style that Blue manages to create here is is actually a tremendous feat, and um, at least to one of the great great BOC album openers of all time. Yeah, I quite I quite like how all the 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 sort of music press writers of the time said punk has killed prog and no more songs about <laughs> pixies and wizards well here's a number 12 uk album singing yeah. about a mahusive sword wielded by a an oiled up yeah. um mythical yeah. character doing stuff yeah, that's no that, that that's no way to talk about eric bloom <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether they have the chest for it but um <laughs> Although he's quite he's quite furry in the chest area, isn't he, Eric Bloom? Oh, I look, I can personally attest to that, yeah. But <laughs> plenty to get old of, eh? How, how do you know? How do you know this person? I know you've, you. If you're just going to say you've yeah. seen him live, then we've all seen him live. And no, no, no. Tune in, tune in to the next pod, and I'll I'll reveal how I know about Eric Bloom's chest hair. But um. Uh, yeah, that's the like, title I mean, of the that's this... the title of the pod. That's right. We're going to change the title of the pod for that one. Look, I mean, all this punk kills Prague, and it was all a bunch of crap anyway. But um, uh, Prague, if anything killed Prague, Prague killed Prague. You know, but um, uh, you can't play in punk. I mean, it's so nonsense for Blue Oyster Cult, who were the original punks. I mean, take a listen to the Red and the Black, or or um, some of the uh, bonus tracks of Secret Treaties. I mean, they're pure punk. 72, 73, so BOC were way, they're way before anybody, even before the New York Dolls. Patty Smith would have to disagree with that. Anyway, if Punk killed Prog, <laughs> how come John Lydon's flogging butter? Yeah, well, that that tells you all you need to know about Punk. So Isn't he mithering about the uh, biopic, the Sex Pistols biopic? Yeah, he's got the moment. real hump on that. They must have forgotten to send him a check. Uh, he really has. I haven't watched it. I don't, I don't know if that's out yet. I haven't seen it yet. But it's not about that. the money, is it, John, eh? <laughs> oh, got a bit uh, a bit political there, I hope. Got a bit political there. God save the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> this is great banter. It really is. Uh, so, so, yeah, we've done Black Blade. Um, we have. We're we doing we're doing an eponymous eponymous love eponymous is bright love eponymous is bright. Um, this was yours, wasn't it? You um, said this has to be in, or else I'm quitting the pod. I seem That's to remember. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I put my foot down. Big, big hissy fit. I remember. <laughs> well, there were choices here, and um, I just yeah, the track is Fire of Unknown Origin, obviously from the album of the same name. I really, really like this track. I never felt this track got the love it deserved. Uh, it, eclipsed as it was by Burning For You and Joan Crawford. Um, 
I, I think it's a beautifully made track. It's really balanced. They had a couple of cracks at this, and you can tell from the writing credits that a lot of guys were trying to use these pa- these Patti Smith lyrics. And there was an interesting version, early version, that appeared on the Agents of Fortune remaster. So they'd been working, trying to work those lyrics into a track for a long time. But um, I just really, it's an unusual, it's Buck Dharma using unusual guitar modalities again. You get some of those Eastern type rhythms um that you're you're hearing on don't fear the reaper um and it's 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 got that almost like a reggae vibe that that's what eric bloom often brings to song it actually you know i when i was listening to it again i went oh do you know what that's quite like um that was me from the symbol remains there's there's quite a lot of similarities in the structure of the song yeah and the feel and it's nice you know it's nice to connect those dots after you know between 40 years of of recording in the band so um i really like the track i like the keyboards on it alan lanier's choice of you know lanier's a great piano player but his choice of keyboard or synthesizer sounds uh is often underestimated it's very hard to get those sounds right sometimes you know well that choppy white reggae thing was all the rage in the early 80s wasn't it the police were massive yeah. and i know rush um incorporated quite a few of those um Licks, as I believe you, professional musicians. Uh, yes, call yes, them. the old reggae licks. That's right. <laughs> is, yeah. it, is it uh, licks? I don't know. <laughs> or, or riffs, is it? I don't know. Well, no, the riff would be more kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of, think of the opening of Godzilla is like a riff, but the reggae parts of Fire of Unknown Origin would be a lick. Yeah. Uh, 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 is yeah. it not chops? Uh, There's chops and licks, isn't there? Well, no, chops are kind of how good you are on the guitar. Ah, so if you're right, good okay. at writing riffs, you've got good chops in the riff department. <laughs> do, you, do you get me? Oh, I, do, yeah, I, I do now, if yeah. you're good at writing licks, other guitar players go, Jesus, you've got a great right hand. So so that that's the terminology for all you kids out there. Um, <laughs> Just see what Tintin and Pickles think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Tintin and Pickles. Right Tintin and Pickles agree. <laughs> Love this track. Great lyrics from Patty Smith. You got to hand it to her. Some of her lyrics really fit the BOC canon beautifully. Did you see the segue? For we were talking about punk and Patty Smith, and we just seamlessly. It's yeah, it's as yeah, though we know. Yeah. It's as though we know what we're doing. <laughs> it's as if we practiced, which we haven't. <laughs> You're about, if you talk long enough. You're bound to get lucky eventually, Brian. That's, that's the, my it, philosophy. It's the thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters approach yeah, we take, we're just, isn't it? We're just two of those, two of those monkeys. <laughs> Although it'd be word processors now, wouldn't it? So they'd probably ah, oh, sure. She's the modern age with their word processing and their Windows ninety five and all that. <laughs> Go on, we've only two tracks to go. I know, and we, we've we've spoken about Buck Dharma um, doing his, mm. sprinkling his trademark wonderfulness in and amongst, but uh, he hasn't sung a song yet, has he? No, and an actual fact, and and this is what we were saying about the variety shown across just two fairly short albums, is that until Fire of Unknown Origin that we're just talking about, he didn't even have a writing credit on the songs we've been discussing. And, you know, he's the main, you know, probably the main man. But um, they can have, you know, that quality of songwriting without including their, their lead guitarist uh, at all. But this is the first one that I think you can really hear his songwriting influence on. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, uh, 
Tell the folk what it is. I, I like this track too. Well, it's an Albert Allen and Buck co-penned song, and Don't Turn Your Back, we've chosen. Yeah. Um, from um, yeah, no, Fire of Unknown Origin. Yeah, um, and it's just... Yeah. I, I tried when I was doing the, 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 the running order, I tried to have what the crares on Progzilla calls the chill-down moment. So we've got a double chill-down moment in the last two uh, tracks yeah. on side two of Unknown Erectus Fire. Very haunting, very... Again, I don't think it would be out of place on... On earlier albums, Spectres possibly quite easily mm. could fit into something something like that. I don't know how the um, Rock Nisenti viewed it back in the day. Yeah, unusual track. But, you know, again, I think you get away with these things on album closers. Um, kind of sinister lyrics as well. Don't turn your back. Yeah, odd credits. Alan, Albert and Buck, you know, that's an odd kind of kind of combination of writers. Again, you've got jazz licks in here, very jazzy guitar solo from Buck Dharma, uh, reminiscent, uh, kind of hear a bit of this kind of stuff again and on Curse of the Hidden Mirror, uh, Good to Feel Hungry. Um, also in, in the final track we're going to choose, I think, there, as you say, there, there's quite similarities between them. And female vocals, I think um, Buck's wife, Sandy, um, does some, some of the backing vocals on this and, and it works really, really well. I'm a sucker for the bass line, I've got to say. Yeah, it's a good bass. It's Joe Bouchard never sounded so good as as he did on these two albums. Uh, Martin Birch just mixes bass particularly well. Uh, and, and Joe's a great bass player. Uh, he was really well served on these two albums. Very understated guitar playing as well. Just an all-round yeah. all good track. We like it. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. Indeed. Um, it's come round quick as this. We're at the end. Got yeah, one more yeah, track. We We've gone for another yeah. Buck Dharma one, haven't we? That he wrote oh, yeah. as well. So it's it's all Buck Dharma, baby. Nothing uh, but you Buck. Finish. <laughs> you got to finish strong with the Buckster. Yeah, yeah. This you know, track is is. Is this something about um, the murder of a friend of theirs, or am I getting really confused? It, well, it could be. I mean, so the track is Deadline. And uh, closes outside one of Cultosaurus Erectus. I think it's a great closer for our set list because this is this is what BOC do is they 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 kind of sucker punch you. They pull you in, especially the Buck Dharma tunes with these very sweet melodies, a uh, little acoustic guitar, which is very rare for BOC, but great to hear. And then you listen to the lyrics, and on about the third listen, you go like you've just done. I think that's about some fella murdering people. <laughs> and he just catches you off guard. And uh, I, I was looking at, I was reminding me of the, myself of the lyrics again. And, and Buck does this. He brings, a bit like Steely Dan, he creates personalities. And Phil screamed at him while he hung up the phone. And, and the photo they showed David was a terrible sight. And it, it just gets in on you. Uh, a little like the last days of May. And um, yeah, I, I presume there's some kind of, you know, he's basing it on something that was happening at the time, but I, I it's think, incredibly sinister because it's not, it's not clear what's I might, happening. I might be getting really confused, but I did a bit of research. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> Who'd thunk it? Um, but it was one of their friends and I can't remember his first name, but his surname was King and he was. Oh, of, I, yeah, that was, that's probably the Philip that he's referring to. Um, um, and he was like a, a, yeah. a, an agent or, or something, and it was a debt that he was trying to recover, and he got yeah. shot. 
Well, there you, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on. So there, it is. The, it, it, it's right. very much in the last days of May school of um, book uh, songwriting. Yeah. I think it, it it highlights as if we needed to highlight it, but it really does show you that when book a book isn't a prolific lyricist by any means, but you know when you look at his ability to write lyrics, obviously, don't fear the reaper. Last days of May, harvest moon. Um, and in particular, Divine Wind and Deadline on Cultosaurus. Um, he's a superb um, lyricist. And again, this this track, it's mostly keyboards. When you listen to this track, it's mostly keyboards. Um, and as he as he so often does, he just dresses up in between the the, the kind of choruses and and the vocal line. He puts a whole guitar melody together. Um, but the guitar, it's it's not a heavy guitar tune. And actually, if you listen to Albert Bouchard's drumming, uh, you force yourself to listen to Albert Bouchard's drumming in this. It's almost exclusively on the hi-hats, which is, is giving it that sinister vibe. It never, as a song, you're waiting for the, it to kick in, you know, in a kind of big rock kind of effort. It doesn't. It doesn't do what you expect. And Albert just clicks along on the hi-hats with this kind of, you know, just down low in the mix, you know, threatening kind of, uh, drum beat, you know, and that's Martin Birch. That's the producer's uh, Im- Im- influence there. You know, pull back, don't do too much. Let the listener join the dots in the song. And um, uh, I think Birch deserves huge credit for for drawing out stuff of BOC that that Perlman or Krugman uh, didn't didn't do, or maybe couldn't do. Maybe it wasn't there at that time. Yes, indeed. And don't forget, we're talking about book songwriting. Don't forget your beating heart. <laughs> From, from, <laughs> from flat, from flat I, I've got, Today they told me it was you. I know, I know, I know. I know. I've got um, drama. If, if I next. ever, if I ever donate any organs, I'm, I've, I've stipulated that they go to you. You're gonna, <laughs> you, you're getting me, you're getting me, um, <laughs> getting me liver. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a bad deal. If ever I heard one, this is worse than the one I gave up. Um, I will know. I've sti- I've stipulated that my organs go to Buck Dharma. So. He doesn't Just need him. He's, he's doing well for in his seventies, is, isn't he? Well, isn't he? Yeah. He's God bless well. him. He's, and he's very limber. He can still get down. I was watching some video of playing recently. He can still get down on one knee doing the old big guitar solo. Right, that it would take me half an hour to get back up again. There was a fantastic photograph that Sandy took of him not that long ago, um, and he's he's more limber than me, and I'm fifty fifty seven for God's sake. Fifty seven. God, yeah. Yeah, no, if I tried doing that on stage, <laughs> they'd have to lift me up like James Brown, you know. <laughs> Not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's fine if it's an act, but if it's for real, it's it's really not so rock and roll, you know. <laughs> it isn't. I don't um, I, I don't think we've um decided what we're going to do next time, have we just yet? No, we're leaving it a bit open because uh you know, you and I are 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 going to meet up at the Bouchard Brother gigs in the UK uh, uh, in August. So I think we kind of want to try and build up to them. So we might dedicate a few pods to the Joe and Albert stuff. I'd like uh, like to do that. And then we can, we're always in with a chance of getting one or both of them on the pod, aren't we? Oh, I think Albert and Joe, I think they'd enjoy this pod. I'd become a a trembling fanboy. You've worked with um, one of the Bouchard brothers, so you, you and yeah, him are better yeah. mates. But, Joe, but for me yeah, to talk, I know Joe a little, 
oh, it'd be great, wouldn't it? It would be great, and there's no reason why not. Um, why we couldn't do it? Fingers no, crossed, we'll eh? Yeah, we'll extend the invite, and um, you know, thankfully, people are listening. Hello, and thanks for listening. Oh uh, yes, so, God bless yeah. every one of them. Sort of, um, a lot more than I thought, to be fair. So, um, yeah, thank you to yeah. each and every one of them. Yes, and keep listening, folks. And and I really do, you know. Uh, and people are starting to, you know, make suggestions on on things they'd like us to cover and talk about and um, keep the suggestions coming because we're, we're running out of ideas. So we oh, I don't know about that. We've, we've always said we're going to do each of the um, sec- oh, the second and third black and white albums as standalone pieces because they are perfect albums. Ah, yeah. Yeah, um, not yeah. You cannot change. You, you can't do a mashup of tyranny um, uh, and uh, treaties. You can do tyrannical yeah. treaties. No, you couldn't, because you couldn't leave anything off. We'd we'd come to blows. There would, <laughs> yeah, there'd be. I, I'd send you one of those letters with glitter in it. You know, when you open it, that you send to your ex. Oh yeah, that was with glitter in it. <laughs> oh God, I hate them the most. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I I do hope people. No, yeah, standalone things there. Yeah. I do hope people listen to the um, playlist that we've um, put on Spotify. We'll do a link in the show notes. As I say, Twitter, Bungo underscore Pony. Bungo with a capital B, Pony with a capital P. Uh, Bungo Pony Pod over on Facebook, co-fi.com slash Bungo underscore Pony, but lowercase, I don't know why I did lowercase. Um, it just makes it more <laughs> complicated. It just makes it more complicated. Just Bungo Pony podcast in yeah. anywhere. Buy us a coffee. Buy us a coffee. <laughs> Buy us a coffee, why don't you? Uh, it, 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 if you fancy. Um, no. So, yes, I don't think there's much more to say, really, is there? No, have a listen to that playlist. I, I really think that's our best one yet. I love these two albums, and, and they reminded me, actually, that these were my entry point into BOC. Uh, they're, they're more accessible for, 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 for younger ears, I think, than the black and white albums, which are very dense. Um, now, they keep on giving, but um, this was my way in, and it really I really enjoyed going back, listening to these uh, this particular playlist, because we, we, we got rid of a few clunkers. You put them in a beautiful order, as you always do, Brian. I think this is this is BOC's lost prog sci-fi jazz masterpiece. And um, so it's all there for people to listen to. These these defined 16, 17, 18-year-old me. I am I am what I am because of these two records, pure yeah. and simple. Uh, now, pure now and simple. And, uh, um, and... <laughs> I got a tattoo in Nashville. I saw a Twitter post the other day from somebody who got the Blue Oyster Cult logo on the right upper arm in Nashville. Mm. Uh, and I thought, I did that as well. <laughs> and it wasn't you. If if, uh, if people want to see po- uh, pictures of my tattoos, they'll, we'll have to set up a Patreon. That's a Patreon moment there. Yeah, you reveal just a little at a time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my upper arm, I can tell you. Oh, it's a very small Cronus. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a tiny little one. <laughs> oh, dear. Love you, Jim. Ta-ta. Okay, we'll, leave, we'll leave it there so, Brian. Thank Good you. Bye-bye. <laughs> the Bungo Pony Podcast has left the building. Join us next time for more Jolly Badinage.